we could do other things with the system rather than just a dumb on or off. We were, uh, yeah. uh, we're able to smarten it up, if you will. Absolutely. And part of this is because on a, on a complicated system or a hydraulic infrastructure where there really needs to be, we keep talking about this, there really needs to be one decision maker for all of the water. And so by having that data input, i.e. using the um, event bicoder, we can pause all of the irrigation that's running when the filter needs to flush. So if you think about if we used a third-party filter flush, irrigation systems running, maybe there's six zones, they're all on. All of a sudden, the water turns off, right? Because we're just doing its backflush cycle. So those zones all of a sudden have zero water right. and potentially have a low flow condition in the controller. It may sound an alarm. It may turn it off because it's going to see that as an alarm state versus the baseline controller being in charge of the water and knowing that we need to pause the irrigation because now it's time to backflush that filter. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is episode 135 of the Sprinkler Nerd Show. I'm your host, Andy Humphrey, and I hope you are having a tremendous day, a great day, an awesome day. Happy Friday. And you know what? I appreciate you choosing to listen to this podcast. It's interesting to think you are choosing. You have a choice. There's a zillion podcasts out there in the world, and there's only so much time that you have in your truck or at your desk or wherever you might be. So thank you for choosing this podcast. It really means a lot to me. And uh, any feedback you might have, my door is always open. So please reach out and share your feedback with me. And if you have any ideas for future content, future guests, things to talk about, I would totally love to know so that not only can I create this podcast to entertain myself and my own thoughts and ideas, but I would love to entertain you with uh, your thoughts and your ideas as well. So again, thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast. This was a short week, holiday week, because we had Monday off, which meant the rest of my week kind of got busy and it got away from me. So unfortunately, I did not have time to create fresh, new, exciting content this week, other than this intro here, because this is, I'm creating this here for you. So I thought what I would do is go back in my archives. I have a lot of really interesting recorded content. And I found some content that I recorded with Dan Conger, who was the training manager for Baseline, and Chris Wright, the VP of sales for Baseline. And we talk about something called start conditions. And this episode is all about start conditions. And it is specific to Baseline because that is one of baseline's differentiation differentiators or differentiated capabilities of the control platform and i'm a big proponent as as i would like you to be as well of understanding the differences between systems so i think it is what's interesting about irrigation control generally speaking is that it's not very sophisticated frankly it's 
kind of no different than turning a light switch on, then you turn the light switch off. At its basic form, that's all we're doing, right? Turning the solenoid on, turning it off. And if you look around the marketplace, pretty much every controller does that because it has to do that. And then on top of that, you can start getting into lots and lots of different features. How many start times, how many programs, how many zones, how many flow sensors. You get the idea. And I do think it is important for you to understand as much as possible the differences between control platforms so that when a project, uh, when you stumble across a project that has a unique requirement, you know which platform might be the best fit for the project based on what you are trying to accomplish on that site. And I'm fully aware that most systems are very cookie cutter. Most of them don't actually need a whole lot of sophistication, sophisticated components or solutions or even creative approaches to solving a particular problem. And so I picked this one out of my content vault because I think that starting an irrigation system, not only based on time, but based on other other types of conditions is uh, a really interesting approach. There's a lot of things you can do with that. So in other words, if we think of a start condition today, and we're going to get into this in the podcast, so excuse me for being long-winded here on the intro, most start conditions are simply time. <laughs> Actually, probably... I don't know of many controllers, so you tell me, reach out to me if there are other controllers that can start with any other condition besides time. We have stop, stop conditions, and stop is rather easy because all you have to do is interrupt the rain sensor terminal, cut the common, et cetera, and you can stop irrigation. So stop is rather easy. A start condition is more difficult. So I thought that this would be a really... Uh, neat conversation for you to listen to about start conditions. And I, I also say that because I think in the future, we're going to see more opportunities to start and stop and pause, as Baseline likes to say, start, stop, pause, irrigation based on other, uh, other components on the site, other situations, other devices, other conditions. And so kind of wrapping your mind around what's possible uh, and knowing what's possible means you might find a solution that this fits. And I'm again, I'm a big fan of uh, using as many different products as you can, such as Baseline, so long as you have a, a need for it, so long as the site has a requirement for it. And uh, yeah, so here, here we're going to uh, I'm going to play the play the episode here. And this was recorded. Shoot, I don't have the date. It was either the end of 2019 or 2020. Actually, it was 2020 because it was during COVID. So this is going back to the 2020 uh, archive, and it's about start conditions. Hope you enjoy, and we'll catch you next week on another episode. Today, we're going to talk about start conditions right. because it is... Uh, one of the capabilities that makes baseline unique and it opens the door to lots of uh, potential. And it's also very unique to industry. So with that, let's turn it over to you, Dan, and get us awesome. going here. Good. Well, so we're all familiar with the traditional timed um, start of a program, right? So Tuesday at seven o'clock, Saturday at, at 9 p.m., whatever that is. 
And then if you've been around baseline, you're familiar with soil moisture sensors and using those to prompt the start of a program or to influence a program, uh, maybe as the soil dries down to a certain level. But back in July, I want to say it was like end of July, maybe even the 28th, we looked at start-stop-pause conditions. But today we're just going to take start conditions and really drill down and, and kind of spend some time talking about this. So two things that we want to emphasize today. The first one is that a timed start is a start condition, but there's an, or a condition in which to start a program. But there's other ways, right? So we can do it with temperature, pressure, and then a couple of other settings that we're going to talk about. And the other one is that switches can be a start condition. And it's not just baseline switches, but pretty much any contact switch across the industry. And I think as, as the three of us start nerding out on this, we're like, it's the switches, right? The switches we can, what can't you do? And yep. I think, I think that's kind of the fun part is to say, be creative. What, how can you start a program and what program do you want to start with? What switch? Right. Yep. And if you can, just to clarify, it's any dry contact switch interfacing with an, what we call an event decoder, but it could also be referenced as a switch decoder for that matter. There we go. Right. Right. So we'll, we'll talk about switches and, and connecting those with event, event by coders is, is that, is that interface. It'll be one of our, one of our contact points today. Cool. Well, let me um, switch over. I, if I'm going to share my screen and so one of the first things that we wanted, to, I wanted to talk about was a push button can be a start condition. So this is a baseline uh, coaches button which is there's two components in this, right? So we've got the momentary contact switch that's on, it's in there. And then on the inside, we've got an event by coder board that's in, inside. So those are the two things that this are built up and pushing the button will uh, send a signal out over the two wire path. And then we can use that to be specifically right now, we're going to talk about a st starting a program or a start condition. So the couple of examples that I've got are... Yep, and as we, as Dan's getting going here, we wanted to start with some known components that mm -hmm. we have at baseline, and then as we move along, we're going to sort of open the discussion to third-party devices. So we're just starting okay. here with a with the button right. that baseline manufactures. Right. Does that mean we're going to think outside the start time? All of this oh. is outside the start time. We we we've just we've just thrown start times away. It's like Chris's favorite subject. I love this stuff. Um, tennis courts. So we've got clay and turf, uh, and clay and turf tennis courts here, right? So they want to manually water them before the game and, and clay. I don't, Andy, have you, have you been around clay tennis courts a little bit? That's because I don't mm -hmm. have any experiences as to how soon they need to water them before, right? But they, they need to water them to maintain moisture content, but you can't do it too soon because you need it to, to soak in and, and maintain that mm -hmm. moisture content. So, a coach's button, if it's wired into the two-wire path, somebody could come up and press the coach's button, talks to the event bycoder, which then speaks to the controller over the two-wire path, and then it would start a program. And it, the program might have one zone. It might have five zones, but it would start that entire program and then run for the time that, that they've programmed it for. So that, that's one example of a push button for a turf Right. And keep in mind, you may have just mentioned it, but repetition is good on those programs. There may not be 
there would not be a start time potentially, right? No 8am and there would not be a schedule. No Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The only condition associated with that program is the setup of that device of that start button. That's the trigger. No run times. I'm sorry. You have run time, no start time, no day of the week. Yep. Yeah. Chris, you were starting to say it's on demand, right? On demand. Yeah. Yeah. So often referred to as the coach's button. So in this case, on these tennis courts, the team shows up, coach could do a syringe ahead of time or whatever, or popular for baseball infields. Um, Anytime we need to do a quick syringe um, on demand, that's a great device to, to utilize. Yeah. Yeah. So field hockey is another one. And, and I didn't know this, Andy, you were saying that the regulations are that this must be watered before a game. And, and I, I really like this picture because it, it can show there's actually standing water on that turf there. That is yeah. a great picture. Let's hope that's water. Cause they do look pretty sweaty, but it's definitely <laughs> water. <laughs> yeah. And again, I don't know the, what the regulation is. I just know that there's an international field hockey federation, if you will, that will certify the field. And as part of that, it must be um, irrigated and it, the, it has to be irrigated even for a certain amount of time uh, with a certain application of water to meet the criteria. And so we know that allowing a coach into a baseline controller can be number one, complicated for the coach. And number two, potentially troublesome for the landscape manager. And so in lieu of that, these buttons work great because the coach can just push the button and it's pre-programmed to do exactly what they need it to do. Right on. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take that button, take the event by coder out of that button, and we're going to we're going to uh, do something a little more different with that. So, let's talk about a pressure differential, which this is going to introduce an event by coder. So here I've got an event by coder, which is going to connect to our two wire system, and on the that's the uh, input, and then the or pardon me, that's the output or the connection to the system, and then the connection to a switch, someone else's switch. In this case, I've got a third-party pressure differential switch. So that will communicate with the event bicoder. Now what I can do is I can use a pressure, not just pressure, but a pressure differential um, to run certain programs. And this is an analog one. And this is what's kind of interesting on this one is I think Andy and I discovered this independent of each other about the same time. Um, I saw this switch at at an irrigation show and this is an analog version, and, and you found a digital version that you've used on a project. Where this might fit in really, really interesting as far as a pressure differential is on filters. Filters, sand filters, and or sand separators and filters on ag op- applications or nursery applications, they need to flush them because what happens is there, as the uh, water runs through there, it's going to clog the filter and, and cause a back pressure. So if it starts with 90 PSI, at some point, the outlet pressure is going to drop to 80 PSI. So there's 10 pounds of pressure that has been lost because of the filters clogged. Well, if they could fil- flush it occasionally, they would um, stop that pressure differential. And but So in that case, using a pressure differential switch works really, really well in this circumstance, right? So where they can, uh, when the pressure drops 10 PSI from the inlet, let's start the filter flush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And keep in mind, so some of the use case for this arises because we've been talking to all of you guys for pressure, you know, all year long, basically pressure has been a very hot topic for us at baseline and we can read up to eight different pressure transducers. However, 
we don't do any math. The controller doesn't do math and the base manager doesn't do math. And when I, when I say math, I mean, look at two different devices and do differential math. In other words, it just reads them as 80 PSI in your case, Dan, or 90 PSI, but we don't do math between the devices. So come to find out there's a simple uh, mechanical switch it's known as a pressure differential switch. There's lots of makes and models. And the pressure differential switch can be set to a PSI differential. And then it just opens or closes that circuit. So if you've got the event bicoder connected to the switch and it opens uh, or it closes, depending how you want to set it up, you can start that program, which, in, which as you just mentioned, would be that filter flush program where one yeah. valve would close, the other valve would open, and it would back flush through. Now, when I saw this one, I, if, if you look on the right behind the switch, you can see the red and the black leads there between the pressure gauges. So this is actually just a 24 volt switch. Very likely what the filter manufacturer does is just connects that up to a solenoid and a power source. And just anytime the pressure changes, it runs, which that, that can be effective. But with the event by coder, now we're bringing it into our baseline system and we can put limits on it, right? We can put a water window or a time restriction or other, other restrictions. We can, we can actually, if we go back to July, we could say we could start, stop, or pause. We could do other things with the system rather than just a dumb on or off. We, we're, yeah. have a, we're able to smarten it up, if you will. Absolutely. And part of this is because on a, on a complicated system or a hydraulic infrastructure, there really needs to be, we keep talking about this, there really needs to be one decision maker for all of the water. And so by having that data input, i.e. using the um, event by coder, we can pause all of the irrigation that's running when the filter needs to flush. So if you think about if we used a third-party filter flush, irrigation systems running, maybe there's six zones, they're all on. All of a sudden, the water turns off, right? Because we're just doing its back flush cycle. So those zones all of a sudden have zero water right. and potentially have a low flow condition in the controller. It may sound an alarm. It may turn it off because it's going to see that as an alarm state versus the baseline controller being in charge of the water and knowing that we need to pause the irrigation because now it's time to back flush that filter. Yeah. And utilizing program priorities associated with that pressure differential switch, if something was running, it would pause those programs, allow that flush to occur and then resume where it left off once that flush was complete. Mm -hmm. So, so an informal way of integrating it into the baseline system, but also eliminating the need for some manual operation or third party integration, if you will, to, uh, you know, communicate with the system and know that it needs to do that. So let's take this a step further and just say, let's put aside the pressure and let's just talk about event bicoder. So essentially what this event bicoder is, is doing is, is allowing us to bring someone else's switch in someone else's, dry contact switch in and connect it to our event by coder and make it influence it. So I think this is the area that is the most interesting, the most intriguing. What else can we do with an event by coder? What, what's some of your favorite? Mm -hmm. I mean, turn lights on. Oh, lights. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Or we can instigate a, a water feature fill or anything that would require interface with a common dry contact switch, we can make that happen. 
I've, I've seen, I've like um, event by coders for a way to smarten up a rain switch. So we could use that to, I would actually use that for as a pause most likely, but it's a, it's that interface with a switch that's not particularly smart. And now we can put other, other parameters on there. So if you want to smarten up a switch, I think this is another really good way to. Yep. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yep. And, and what we're trying to do here today is kind of remind everybody or educate you guys on the fundamentals, i.e. here's an event by coder. We know of some applications as they come into us from the field, and we would love to yeah. uh, challenge you guys to find more unique applications to use you know, these devices to, in this case for today, start programs. Nice. Okay, so with the filter, um, here's another start condition is we've been, we've been talking about pressure this year. And so using a uh, pressure bicoder and a pressure transducer kit or just the pressure bicoder, we'll, we'll talk about the two of those. Let's see what we could do with that one. So I've got a tank. So this tank, I've got two different ways to look at this tank. And one is we want to keep this tank full. So we could do a start, a start a tank fill program. And so how about this? How about I'd like to fill the tank when it's 20% full, right? So a, if, if it drops down to 20%, then I want to fill it all the way back up. So a 10-foot a tank is going to measure 4.3 PSI when it's all the way full. So what I could say is when the pressure drops to 0.8 PSI, start filling it. And it would start the program. So that would be the pressure uh, to fill the tank. Mm-hmm. But let's flip it the other way. What if this tank or, or a container was holding gray water? I need to get rid of it and discharge it. So I need to either put it to a dissipation field or drip system or something else like that. Um, I don't want it to be too full. So when it gets 90% full, um, which mm-hmm. in that same uh, 10 foot tank, that would be uh, 3.9 PSI. When the pressure reaches 3.9 PSA, start the discharge program and it's going to open zones and move that gray water out. So we could do it either way, uh, keep it full or keep it empty. Yeah, absolutely. Not necessarily just that gray water either, because a lot of these uh, cistern applications are to prevent the storm water from running mm-hmm. into the stormwater uh, sanitary sewer system. And so if we can discharge the water from the cistern into the landscape, let's say with, uh, with drip irrigation where you could do it 24 hours a day, maybe you never want to have that tank be more than half full uh, in the event that a rainstorm is coming. Or if a rainstorm is coming, you can start that program and uh, lower the tank level. Yeah. Good, make good. That rainfall event, right? Right. Right. <clears throat> okay. So the tools that we have to work with are the physical tools. So here I've got um, these, uh, a baseline air temperature sensor, baseline um, pressure transducer and pressure bicoder. I've got a baseline coaches button, which is an event bicoder and a push button contact switch. There's two things in the soil moisture sensor, right? So we've got a soil moisture sensor in the blade, but potted into that black portion of it, we have a soil temperature sensor. And then the event bicoder. So the event bicoder opens you up to just about anyone else's switches. So these are the hardware things that we have to work with. And, and I think what's fascinating is bringing that event bicoder and like, tell me a device that you want to connect and we'll figure out a way to do it because I, I haven't 
there, there's probably a few that we can't do, but it's pretty, pretty interesting to see what you, you can do and what you can't do. The other one is um, on the pressure transducer, there's some interesting things you can do with that four to 20 milliamp uh, bicoder as well. Mm-hmm. So, so these are the, the physical tools we have to work with. Yeah. But then, we, then on the programming side, we also have the 99 programs, the water windows, and the program priorities. So we definitely have some interesting programming things to, to bring the hardware and the programming together and, and do some real creative, creative work for you. Yeah. So if you're, if you have a, if your client, your customer, your project wants to do something that is um, for lack of a better word, a little bit outside of the box that you, you haven't given uh, experience before you want to go back and think of these tools. How can the needs of the site customer be achieved by using one of these five devices? Because these are the only five devices that can be physically assigned to the program to start that program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and if anybody's got any switch devices that they, you know, utilize on a site or wish they could utilize on the site, throw it in the chat or the yeah. uh, Q&A so we're aware of that and you can create a use case for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would be, that would be really interesting to hear what some of the people out in the field have, have used these or, or think they want to use them for. Mm-hmm. I know that um, in training, um, there's been, you know, the conversations about keeping someone's chicken water bucket filled or, you know, checking the garage door opener and kind of, kind of odd, bizarre, nerdy things, but what, what's happening out in the real irrigation world? How are people using them? So I did, I did jump into base manager earlier and I I wanted to make sure that we all remembered where this, where, where this happens, right? So start, stop, pause conditions. And a lot of times we don't even pay attention to that under start, stop, pause conditions is where we do a normal time start, right? You do your 7 a.m. and the the days of the week that you're going to do it. But then you can add a condition right below that. So you could delete the start time and add a start condition based off of, here we have moisture, event switch, temperature, pressure. So all those things that we just talked about and then add a condition or use that condition uh, separately. So just Mm -hmm. the condition or a condition as well. Yep, and keep in mind, Dan showed five devices in that previous slide, we have four options there. And that's because what's highlighted here, the event switch, that coaches button or outside operations button technically is a switch. So when you program that device, you set it up as a, as a switch. And then the temperature sensor is both the air temperature and the uh, soil temperature are both the temperature. So those are the sort of the four conditions to start the program. And then just as another quick reminder, right above where you see that 7 p.m., um, you may want to delete that out or X off that start time. Uh, we occasionally see programs that accidentally have multiple start conditions. Either it's a time start and then it has another moisture start. And oftentimes that's unintentional. So keep in mind, if you're adding these, these uh, additional start conditions, you may not want your time start anymore. Yep. Good point. Point. Okay. I think that's the content that I had. So have you, Andy, you've kind of been doing some of this stuff stuff out in the field. You've seen a couple of these applications that you've been working on. Yeah. You know, most, most recently is the uh, pressure differential switch. And um, that particular project is, is solely being used currently uh, for that use case uh, to manage the, the filter system with the longer term opportunity to actually retrofit all the irrigation out there. 
So yeah, wait, right? they, so, they, they got a baseline controller just to, ru- just to do that filter? That was that just important? Just to do the filter. And That's keep in awesome. mind, part of this is because they have remote access to it. So if mm-hmm. you think about a mm, competitive or a standard industry filter flush, you don't really get to see any of that data remotely. And if you use a baseline pressure sensor, you can also see the uh, pressure going into the filter and the pressure coming out of the filter, and you can read it all remotely and you've got remote access to it. And so that was sort of the first use case on this project. And then if baseline, if we're already there managing the filter, gosh, maybe we should manage the irrigation system too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure, what the heck? <laughs> right. And um, the other thing I was going to show everybody real quick, this is a third-party Z-Wave um, device. If Z-Wave is a wireless communication protocol, and this this particular device is much like our event bicoder, and it communicates with the Z-Wave hub at your home, and the hub is connected to Wi-Fi. So basically, this is a little device that you can uh, remote control from your phone and or connect to Alexa or Google Home, you know, those sorts of home automation uh, products, and then you could connect this to an event bicoder. Right, so that you have full programming capability with your event bicoder directly from your smartphone or from Alexa. So you could say, Alexa, start baseline, and then it would turn on whatever this uh, device is assigned with the event bicoder to do. So this is kind of like a way to bridge the gap to the true home automation IoT type, type devices. That's right. And that's, that's why so we cool. have the official sprinkler nerd as part of Tech Talk Tuesday, <laughs> right there. <laughs> Got to keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> All right. So a question came in that uh, might rival that, because this is definitely thinking outside the start time. Uh, Ron Yoakum wants to know, could we use a temperature switch in a pond to turn off the fish feeders when temperature gets below fish feeding norms? Yes. Yes. And yes. Yes. Because first of all, I did our... not realize there were fish feeding norms related to temperature, but I guess that makes sense. That's awesome. Next time I order some salmon, I'm going to ask them what the temperature <laughs> of the water was. <laughs> right. So let, let's answer the question. Use temperature switch and pond to turn off the fish feeders. Yeah, if the fish feeders are associated with a switch device, um, then yes, we can use temperature on a moisture sensor submerged in the water in the right. pond. Right, that, that's up. So that-, that temperature reaches a certain level, then we can say activate this switch to turn off that fish feeder. Right. So what you're talking about is inserting a soil moisture sensor in the, in the water source and using that as the temperature. Okay, great. Now that's connects into the two wire path, which is super convenient. Um, and it's using you, and you might even have an existing, um, baseline uh, soil moisture sensor, but what if you don't like the temperature range of that, or if it doesn't, it's too big, what are we going right. to do then? You, you would, you would want to find a third party temperature switch to mm-hmm. lower in and keep in mind the baseline soil moisture sensor. I, I don't believe True. it reads below yeah. like 39 degrees. So if 36 degrees or 32 degrees is the temperature you're looking for, Ron, you would want to use a third party temperature switch connected to the event bicoder. And remember that the event bicoders control programs. And so that fish, uh, 
feeding, whatever is powering the fish feeding, you know, it may need to be on a program so we can turn it off yeah. or, or turn on the program and have the input be wired the other way. That was, that was something that, that it was a little bit of a, it took me a while to, to kind of wrap my head around that when I was first learning baseline was that these conditions don't start zones, they start programs. And, and you just illustrated that really clearly. But because we have 99 programs, it's not generally, it's not an issue. So you just take that one zone, put it in its own unique program, and we're going to influence that one program. Mm-hmm.